winter finally came. And I love it. I love it. I'll take this over 110 any day. Come on. All right. Anyway, good to see all of you here tonight. Well, we're going where angels fear to tread. At least a lot of pastors won't go here. But I have to because the word goes there. And, and I'm not really worried about it. I know I'm right, and, and you'll follow along. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm just making sure you're out there. But we are tonight going to talk about uh, the utterance gifts or vocal gifts, and that is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And now, I know I have all denominational backgrounds here, if we took a poll, it would shock you. And, and, and so you might be kind of uptight. I don't know what he's going to say about tongues. Well, I'm only going to teach the, the scriptures. And you know what? Um, this is, uh, if you don't agree with me, you're still saved. And I'm still saved. And we're still one in the blood. But, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. We're, it, it, we're going to look at what the Bible says. So let's pray. And then let's finish out the nine gifts of the Spirit with those final three. Father, we just thank you tonight for your blessing on the house of God. And Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is here, the, the great teacher of the church, the ultimate teacher of the church. And I pray the Spirit of God will be with us right now as we delve into the word. And Lord, open our understanding, help us to embrace what your scripture says. And we thank you, Lord, that you're here with us right now. And breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, teach me tonight. I receive your word as the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good. Amen. 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 Now, I've been reading the, the, the verses that, that give us, that present to us the nine gifts of the Spirit. Oh, and by the way, I want to welcome everybody watching by streaming video we love you. We appreciate you being with us, and you're a part of our church family. And uh, there in your living room, in your office, maybe you're looking on your iPhone, and if you're driving, put it down right now. But it's good to have you with us, and I want everybody to welcome them, would you? The streaming audience, God bless you. We love you. Amen. Now, we're reading uh, out of 1 Corinthians 12, where the gifts are first mentioned. And let's see what God said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, if God doesn't want me to be ignorant about something, I don't want to be ignorant. Amen? There are diversities or different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Now, here comes the gift, starting in verse 8. He's going to list nine. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. You notice he's saying same Spirit, same Spirit, same Spirit. Do you think he wants us to understand they all come from the same Spirit, Holy Spirit? Amen. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits, and this is where uh, we are going to be tonight, starting in verse 10, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one of the same spirit works all these things, 
distributing to each one individually as he wants to. So the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts of the Spirit as he deems fit, as he desires. Now, so far, we've looked at six of the nine gifts mentioned in uh, in the text we just read. We've noted they can be broken down into three categories, revelation gifts, power gifts, and now utterance gifts. So having studied the revelation gifts, and what were they? The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Those are what we call revelation gifts. And power gifts that we looked at last time, which are the gift of faith, gifts of healings, and miracles. I believe in miracles, as Catherine Kuhlman used to say, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. And that's the way she said it. I'm just letting you know. I I was there in person. I heard her do it. She always said that. But it's true. I believe in miracles because I believe in God. Amen. Amen. So prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues are the three vocal or utterance gifts. So let's begin with the gift of prophecy. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Now, you know that we have to do word studies because this is coming straight from the word. And though it's a translation, it was written originally in Greek. So from time to time, I'm going I'm to actually say, enunciate a Greek word. And usually I do it when I know you can recognize the Greek word uh, because it's translated into something very familiar in English, uh, like prophetia. That's the Greek word for prophecy, prophetia. Everybody say prophetia. Now say it like you're proud to learn a Greek word, prophetia. Now go to the restaurant after, uh, you know, after service tonight and let the waitress know that you, you, you know Greek now. Okay, and you got it at a turning point. But now here's the deal. It comes from the Greek word prophetia. And prophetia means divinely empowered forth-telling. Notice I said forth-telling, not foretelling, forth-telling, which is speaking the mind of God, and or foretelling, which is prediction. So prophecy, prophetia can mean either of the two, forth-telling, declaring the word of God prophetically, or foretelling, predicting a future event. Now, we know when we hear the word prophecy, we tend to think prediction. We tend to think of foretelling. But I'm going to show you that in the New Testament, overwhelmingly, most of the time that somebody prophesied, it was foretelling and not foretelling. Now, in the Old Testament, prophets were those who would tell forth the word of God. And they would speak his word into a situation such as when Jeremiah spoke God's mind to Judah regarding their sin. If you read the book of Jeremiah, it's like reading the newspaper because Judah, in the time of Jeremiah, is a carbon copy of America now. America, as a matter of fact, I think America's got a little bit up on Judah that was finally judged and went into captivity. I think we have surpassed Judah but you'll, you'll see Jeremiah, he, he prophesied to them for over three decades, and they didn't listen. If you can imagine somebody getting up every day prophesying to you for over three decades, and you don't listen, 
but they weren't listening. And what did he do? He spoke God's word into their situation, into their context, into their sin. And he said, if you don't repent, then God's going to judge you. And, and he listed the sins over and over again. You know, walking after the dictates of your own heart. They were killing their children, making them pass through the fire, their firstborn. They were worshiping foreign deities. They were forsaking God, forsaking his word. They were doing all the things that America is doing now and then some. Okay? So that was the, the fourth telling. But then Jeremiah would also prophesy with foretelling as when he foretold Judah's coming captivity, right down to how long they would be in Babylon. He said, Babylon's going to come. King Nebuchadnezzar is going to take you captive. And you're going to be captive in Babylon for 70 years. Now, you better be in tune and hearing God when you get that specific. But we know now, historically, they were in Babylon in captivity for 70 years. He nailed it. He nailed it. How can you do that? Only if it's the Spirit of God speaking through you. Because only God knows the end of something from the beginning. And so that's what a true prophet does. They are absolutely accurate. All right? So now in the New Testament, that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the ministry of a prophet is not so much one of foretelling, though it can include that. I'm going to give you an example in a moment. As it is forth-telling. Everybody say forth-telling. The word of the Lord. See, forth-telling. And that is a New Testament prophet was somebody who spoke a now word to the church. A New Testament prophet would come into, into a church or into a group of Christians and deliver a word from God, not predictive, but explanatory, often exposing sin, often speaking right to some major issue that was in their midst. And this prophetic person would speak right to it, would bring the word of God to it. So prophecy is more times than not in the New Testament, a proclamation, not a prediction. Now that said, we do find in the book of Acts, a man with the gift of prophecy, his name was Agabus, who foretold a famine that was coming on the whole land. Let's look at what happened. Picking up in the book of Acts, and I am in chapter 11, starting at verse 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now, isn't it sad they didn't have iPhones? They couldn't just, they couldn't just email or, or tweet, where are you, man? Well, I'm over here. But they had to go searching, and, and sometimes for weeks, just to find somebody. I mean... Times like when I read about this, then I'm, I'm glad for iPhones. I'm real glad for GPSs. Without a GPS, this boy would be lost half my life, right? When I go different places, I always use those GPSs. But now, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. Now, the disciples were first called Christians Where? at Antioch. And during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, notice the Bible calls them prophets. So we do have New Testament prophets, all right? 
So these prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them was named Agabus, and he stood up, and how did, how did he speak? What does it say? Through the Spirit, by the Spirit, under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Predicted, now there's a prediction, that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. Now look what it says parenthetically next. This happened. Everybody say this happened. See, if it's from God, folks, it will happen. It will happen just like they said. I read recently, well, a while back, a very well-known person who's real involved in, in uh, what is called a prophetic movement in America. I don't need to name any names, but um, he trains he, he trains people to be prophetic, and I kind of don't know about that, but he trains people to be prophetic. But he said, we give our prophets about a 60% accuracy rate. I'm going, what? What? Because, come again? Because look, when a real prophet makes a prediction, what? It happens. It happens. You can't give a 60% Accuracy rate? What is that about? That's not biblical. If God speaks, he speaks. And if he speaks, it's going to happen. Amen? Because if you water it down like that, how do we know the word of God is going to come true? But listen, the Bible says Jesus Christ is going to return visibly, physically to the earth to rule the earth out of Jerusalem. Well, there's not a 60% chance that's going to happen. That's going to 100% happen. I mean, he's going to physically land on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split in half. He is going to judge the world, and he's going to rule from Jerusalem with a scepter of righteousness. The devil's going to be bound. Flesh is going to be bound. All of that is going to be 100% accurately true, right? So I don't, I don't accept the 60% stuff. I just, I, no, no, I just don't. Now it says in verse 29, look how the disciples believed the prophetic word. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They knew the famine was coming. They acted on the prophetic word. This they did, sending their financial gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So here comes Agabus with this word. They witnessed to it. They said, this is God. That famine is coming. So they started raising money immediately to send relief to the people that were going to be hardest hit. And that's exactly what they did. And so they were, they were ahead of the game because the Spirit of God warned them. And I wonder how, how much we really listen to the warnings of the Holy Spirit. You know, do, do we listen to the warnings of the Holy Spirit enough that we prepare for what the Spirit is warning us about? Amen? So Agabus was used of God to foretell a very traumatic approaching famine that allowed the church to prepare for the difficult time to come. But, but most New Testament use of the word prophecy is in foretelling, preaching a now word to the church. You can find the word prophet or prophecy over and over again in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, and it's overwhelmingly a foretelling. Not that there can't be a foretelling. I, I've, I've had some situations where I've seen somebody 
prophesy a coming event, and I've seen it happen. I think one of the most uncanny has to be the prophecy God gave David Wilkerson in 1972 called The Vision. And you ought to read it. It's absolutely a mind blower. He predicted things coming out of America that didn't even exist when he said it. And he, he talked about how the Holy Spirit woke him up in the middle of the night and he fell on the ground and God just moved over him and he wept and wailed and cried like a baby. And God gave him these, these warning words over America. And I'm telling you, it was just unbelievable the way these things came to pass. Now, I'm not saying he was inerrant. Um, you know, he was a flawed human being, but the word he brought in that particular instance was accurate. Amen. Now, the Bible teaches that the gift of prophecy is given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. This will be the effect when God speaks a fresh word into a situation. I want you to say with me, when God speaks, it will edify, it will exhort, and it will comfort. Even if it's a warning, it will edify the true believer because they know God gave me this and God's taking care of me and God's watching out for me and that's why he gave me this warning. So even a warning brings a level of comfort. And the Bible says that every Christian should desire the gift of prophecy. Amen. Look what it says in verse 3 of chapter 14, 1 Corinthians. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may what? Prophesy. Speak God's word into a situation. Because he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So we ought to desire to prophesy. You say, well, Jeff, I'm just not the prophet type. Hey, listen, the Holy Spirit living in you is the prophet type. Listen, he totally overruled my personality. My personality was to be withdrawn to myself, pulled into a shell. And when he came upon me and called me to preach, he called me out. My natural nature was not to do what I'm doing. It terrified me. Now, I know that's hard for you to believe, but believe me, first time, first few times I got to teach and preach and, and minister the word, I was convinced you could see my eye twitching because it was twitching. My lips were trembling. They were trembling. My voice was shaking, and, 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 I, and I just felt like I'm making an idiot of myself, and I was amazed when people were blessed. But he overrode my natural withdrawn personality so, 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 yeah, it may not be you in the natural, but it's the Holy Spirit in you to bring the word of God to a situation. Amen? Or he wouldn't tell us to desire it. You know, it strikes me that Paul commands the church to desire spiritual gifts. I want you to say desire with me. Now, can I ask you a question before I continue with this? How, when was the last time you desired a spiritual gift? Because right here, he says, desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. In the original language, this, this is very, very strong. It means to burn with zeal, to be deeply committed to something, to set one's heart on, 
to be completely intent upon wanting spiritual gifts. The nine we've covered, have you intensely longed for the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, healing? Have you desired it? Have I desired it? Come on, everybody. Have we desired it? Because we're being commanded right here in the word of God to desire spiritual gifts. Well, if God wants me to have a spiritual gift, it'll hit me. Is that what he said? He said, desire it. He said, desire it. Now, let me take it a little bit deeper. This, this is so strong. The Greek word is zelao. Zelao. And I'm going to throw a big word at, at your way. It's onomatopoeic. It's an onomatopoeic word. And that means it imitates the sound of something. The word itself, zelao. It sounds like Boiling, hissing water. Zelao. That's what you mean by onomatopoeia or something being onomatopoeic. So it imitates the sound of boiling water to bubble over because so hot. That's how hot we're to desire spiritual gifts. Wow. Come on, everybody. We're to, we're to be boiling over in desire. For spiritual gifts, that's what it says. I wonder when the last time was that most Christians in America and the world, but particularly the West, burned with zeal like boiling water for the gifts of the Spirit, particularly to speak God's word prophetically into a needy situation. Can we just lift our hands for a minute and say, Lord, help me to boil over with desire for what you want me to walk in, in Jesus' name, amen. Give him a hand of praise. So that's the first utterance gift, the gift of prophecy, foretelling and foretelling. And we're to all desire to desire that gift. Now, the second utterance gift is no question about it, the most controversial of the nine gifts. Matter of fact, right now on the radio, people are going to be perking up and turning me up real loud on the highway because they're going to want to know what I say about this. A lot of them are going to be people that were raised uh, in the teaching that tongues were of the devil, not of God, gibberish, nonsensical mutterings, and so on and so forth. And, I, and you know what? Some of the people that teach that truly have given their lives to study the Word of God. And, and I'm not here to slam anybody. Uh, I've known people that, that were against tongues who could read Greek and Hebrew backwards, who loved God's Word. They had just come to a conclusion I can't come to. And I'm just going to lay out the way I come to it, and you can chew the meat and spit out the bones. You know, you can, you can go with it or not. It's okay. We're all still saved. We're all going to go to heaven. If the rapture happened before I'm done, we're still all going up, whether we go with tongues or not, right? Okay. But, but let's just unpack the word here, the gift of tongues. He says in verse 10, to another is given different kinds of tongues. Now, the word tongue is from the Greek word glossa, meaning 
a tongue or a language. That's it. That's what it means. We first find the phenomenon of the gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost. We all know the story when the Spirit of God fell on the 120 gathered in the upper room. He manifested as tongues of fire sitting above each of their heads. Now, that was powerful in and of itself, if you can imagine. So it was a visual uh, vision. It was, it was, they saw something. The spirit world manifested in a way that their irises picked up on it and saw it. They didn't imagine it. They saw fire, spiritual tongues of fire sitting over each head. Now, I'm reading it, Acts 2.4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, here again, he's emphasizing this was from and by the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that the tongues that they were speaking were earthly dialects understood by the multitudes gathered for Pentecost. Very important. We're just being honest here. These were not, this was not a heavenly language. These were earthly dialects. And I'm going to read the text. There were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from, look how many people were there for Pentecost, from every nation under heaven. This was a massive crowd. And here's this 120 in the upper room, and the Spirit falls, and and they all begin to speak in languages that were earthly, but they had never learned. They never learned them. It's like if I started speaking German right now, fluently, having never learned it. So this massive crowd, now I I counted, there were probably at least 21 different languages being spoken right here, right then. 21 different languages at least, just judging the nations that were there. So here's 21 different languages sounding out the miraculous works of God, lifting up Jesus Christ, praising his name, all right? 21 different languages. You got Spanish here, German there, French there, English there, rap over there. No, I'm just kidding. These days, the Holy Ghost would have to come up with some rap, right? Because that's about all some people understand. But anyway, um, So it was just this amazing miracle. All these languages were flying out of the 120, at least 21 of them. And and so it says, when this sound occurred of all these languages, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his what? Say it with me, own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it then that they are speaking in our language, the language in which we were born? They're Galileans. They don't speak this language. Where'd they learn this? And they could tell that they were common folk as well. They were fishermen. They were blue-collar worker types. They were not learned scholars. Just these, these languages were flowing out of them in perfect diction, and they never learned them. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this be? Then they started blaming them for being drunk. And Peter said, are you crazy? It's 9 o'clock in the morning. We don't drink wine at 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, 
It says, pay, pay attention now because this matters. It says they heard the disciples speaking in their own language. Now, the word language is another Greek word, dialectos. What do we get from that? Dialect, which means conversation, speech, discourse, language, the tongue or language peculiar to any people. They heard them speaking 21 different dialectos, and they'd never learned them. So they're going, what in the world is going on? And right about then is when Peter stood up and preached the first Holy Ghost anointed gospel message, and 3,000 were saved. Amen. Now, so the first manifestation of the gift of tongues was in the form of earthly language, formerly unknown to those who were speaking it. So it was totally supernatural. But now there is a second kind of tongues that is at the center of the controversy surrounding tongues called an unknown tongue found in 1 Corinthians 14 too. Now watch what 1 Corinthians 14 too says. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. Hold on, stop. What is he talking about? Because we just now read that the tongue spoken at Pentecost were understood by men. They heard them speaking in their own language. They were earthly dialectos, dialects, languages. But what is he talking about here when he says, he who speaks in a tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God. Now look at the next uh, five words. For no one understands him. Well, all right. He can't be talking about the kind of tongues at Pentecost because at Pentecost they understood. He's saying explicitly here, there is a tongue men don't understand. There is a tongue that when the Holy Spirit gives it, you're not speaking to men, but you're speaking to God. Am I reading this wrong or are you reading it with me? This is the New King James Version. It's not the revised Wickwire Slanted Version. This is the New King James. I'm just wanting you to see because we're going to pick this apart together. Now, the Bible says that this type of tongue edifies you. You can read these verses that I put in here. Assists you in prayer, stirs up the prophetic ministry, refreshes your soul, gives victory over the devil, and helps you worship in the spirit. Now, that's just, and I gave you the verses for you to look up. But again, I say, he's talking here now about a tongue that is not intended for men. It's intended for God, because no man can understand it. So it can't be an earthly dialect. Now notice, this can't be talking about an earthly language. It's a prayer language for the believer's edification. Look at verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 14. He who speaks, excuse me, I'm getting all choked up. He who speaks in a tongue edifies who? himself. But he who prophesies edifies who? So the, the earthly language uh, is when, when, you, when they spoke in tongues and it was an earthly language, it was to declare to people who could understand it, the wonderful works of God. But this second kind of tongue is intended to be prayed to God and it edifies the prayer. Now, those who teach against this personal devotional gift 
contend that every time the phrase spoke in tongues is used in the New Testament, it's referring to the same thing that happened at Pentecost, speaking in earthly languages formerly unknown to the speaker. But if you look at a couple of examples, just pulling them out of the book of Acts, for instance, it doesn't make sense. I'll give you a couple of examples. For instance, when the people who were gathered at Cornelius' house to hear the gospel from Peter, when they had received Christ, the book of Acts records, quote, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. He was preaching the gospel. And those of the circumcision, the Jews, who believed were astonished, as many as had followed Peter to Cornelius' house, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles? Verse 46, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Is that what it says? All right. Now, I ask you this question. Why would the recipients need to speak in the tongues of other languages, if that's what it's talking about, to this gathering when they all spoke the same language? If they all spoke the same language, why would they need somebody to speak in tongues, other earthly dialects, that they would not have understood because it wasn't in their language? Are you with me? Why would they have needed to do that? So, so I say it couldn't have been, or I, I, I suspect it was not, the gift of tongues as in earthly languages because there was no need for it. They all spoke the same thing. Peter preached to them in the same language, and they all understood it, and they all got saved. So why would they need to speak in the tongues of other earthly dialects? They wouldn't. Amen? Are you with me? Now, if the sole purpose of tongues is to speak to people in their own language, then there was no need here because they were already on the same language page. Now, in Acts 19, we find Paul arriving at Ephesus where he found some disciples of John the Baptist. Now, he says to them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they responded, we haven't even heard of a Holy Spirit because they were disciples of John. Well, Paul led them to Christ and baptized them in water and laid hands on them. Let's read what happened. Acts 19, verse 6 records, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they did what? Spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, the men were about 12 in all. Now, folks, these 12 men all spoke the same language. Paul had likely preached to them in either Aramaic or Greek. So why would the gift of speaking in other earthly languages be needed here. They all spoke in tongues, but why would they need to speak in dialects that those these 12 men would not have understood? Why? Was the Holy Ghost confused? Oops, I'm sorry. I thought there was a couple of you that didn't speak the language Peter was speaking in, so I'm moving on through these guys to speak to you in your own language. That's not what happened. I'm moving logically here, okay? So this is why we believe that 1 Corinthians 14, 2 to 4, informs us there is a private prayer language that edifies the believer and that no man understands. 
It's a heavenly prayer language that edifies, comforts, and strengthens the believer. Now, let me give a little balance here because some of you are thinking, oh, gosh, I'm in a church where if I don't speak in tongues, I'm not as spiritual as the people who do. You would be shocked at the mix that is in our church. We've got tongue talkers. We've got non-tongue talkers. We've got people that weren't saved, uh, that were saved out of total paganism. We have people that were raised in church. We have every denomination known to man represented in this congregation. I've done a poll before. We got Baptists. We got Methodists. We got Presbyterians. We got Catholics out the wazoodle. We've, we've got Assembly of God. We've got Pentecostal. We've got Church of God. We've got nothing. It's all here. So no one is ever going to look down on you if you don't have a particular spiritual gift. Now, let me just address it for a minute. Some say that you can't be filled with the Spirit without speaking in these kinds of tongues. I do not see that in Scripture. I can't teach it because I don't see it. The Bible asks rhetorically, do all speak with tongues? And the obvious answer is no. Can you speak with tongues? Yes. Do you have to? No. The Bible says earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, mainly prophecy, but that doesn't mean you can run tongues down and say, well, that's, that's the least of the gifts, so we don't need that one. I've heard that a thousand times. Listen, I need all the help I can get, but here's the deal. If you don't have the gift of tongues, you're not less than anybody else. For instance, when Peter preached at Pentecost and 3,000 were saved, did 3,000 people speak in tongues? No. Well, at least the Bible doesn't tell us they did. Or when he preached again in Acts chapter 4 and 5,000 were saved, did 5,000 speak in tongues? No. The Bible doesn't say so. The true evidence of being filled with the Spirit is spiritual fruitfulness. Can I say that again? You want to say, what's the evidence of being filled with the Spirit? I will tell you, it is spiritual fruit. Because I know a lot of people that speak in tongues that are, are as nutty as a jaybird. I mean... A few, not all. I'm saying a few. I'm just saying gifts don't equate into fruit. Gifts are sown. Fruit is grown. Okay? So, so the deal is, is if you're going to contend that one must speak in tongues in order to be spirit-filled, you must also take the position that some of the greatest world shakers for Christ in history were not spirit-filled because there's no record of many of them ever speaking in tongues. And I could name them, some of the great reformers, Luther, Zwingli. Uh, I could go through some of the great evangelicals, Whitfield, Wesley's, uh, um, Billy Sunday, D.L. Moody. Uh, now, they had powerful experiences with the Holy Spirit, but in reading about them, I've never been able to find where they spoke in tongues. They may have. But I'm just saying you've got to be careful when you say, well, you're not spirit-filled if you don't have the gift of tongues um, because that's not true. Now, will it help you if you do? It says it will, but I leave it there. If you want it, you have not because you ask not.
But here, you're welcome. Tongues or no tongues, blue hair, purple hair, pink hair, no hair, we love you, we want you. I don't, you know, you're all welcome here. Amen? Amen. Now, I know what you're wondering. Well, Pastor Jeff, do you have a prayer language? I do. I, I experienced a, a heavenly prayer language when I was 18, and um, I didn't know that it was wrong. I didn't know that it was a controversy. I had just gotten mightily touched by the Holy Spirit as a late teenager, and I went home to my little uh, efficiency apartment, and I was learning guitar, and I was worshiping God, and a prayer language just flowed, and I thought it was totally normal. As a matter of fact, I was thinking, wow, how is the whole world not saved, and know Jesus, and how does the whole church not walk? Because this was so incredible. And then I found out it was controversial, but I didn't know that it was. And I've walked in it ever since. But we don't make it a front burner issue here because it's not front burner in the church. Jesus is front burner. The gospel is front burner. Bearing fruit is front burner. However, if you want it, I would encourage you to pray for it. Amen. So, so far, we've looked at the utterance gifts of prophecy and tongues. Now, there's one more, the gift of interpretation, and then we're done. What is the gift of interpretation of tongues? The interpretation of tongues is supernatural verbalization and subsequent interpretation to reveal the meaning of a tongue that has been spoken. The gift operates out of the mind of the spirit rather than out of the mind of man. The spirit that spoke the tongue through the person will also interpret the tongue through a person. The gift of interpretation of tongues is clearly not talking about tongues as an earthly language because then you don't need a supernatural interpretation. You're going to do a translation. I'm not talking about being a, a Gideon translator. We're talking here about a gift of interpretation. So it's important to distinguish between interpretation and translation of tongues because the interpreter never understands the tongue he or she is interpreting. For example, the message in tongues, let's say it happens in a corporate setting, may be long and the interpretation short because the interpretation gives the meaning. On the other hand, one may speak a short time in tongues and then give a lengthy interpretation. Yet still at other times, the interpretation is almost word for word. But as he said, with all the nine gifts, it is by and through the Holy Spirit. Paul writes regarding tongues and corporate gatherings like church meetings. He said, if anybody speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let somebody interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let the speaker in a tongue keep silent and let him speak to himself and to who? God. So to me, this is clear. The gift of interpretation is not for the manifestation of tongues that is an earthly language. The gift of interpretation is for the heavenly language spoken in the presence of others and it needs an interpreter to be understood. Amen. 
So if a tongue is spoken in a corporate church gathering, there should be an interpreter, or Paul says, if there's no interpreter, then those who are unbelievers that come walking in, are they not going to say, you are out of your mind? Everybody say, yes. Because what does it sound like to them? Gibberish and crazy talk. So there should be an interpretation. And then let me take it a step further, and and we're going to close. How many are doing okay tonight? Am I clear tonight? Are you getting this tonight? Are you getting this tonight? Okay. And the gift of interpretation can also be used in a person's private prayer time. Because listen to what Paul said. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret, not just in corporate gatherings, but privately. He says in verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful because it's to God. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Those of you that have a prayer language, has it ever occurred to you to say, okay, after you've prayed in your prayer language alone between you and God, have you ever thought about saying, God, give me the interpretation of what I just prayed? It's a thought because it's right here in the word of God. So you notice how close I'm sticking to the word of God here tonight. I'm just, I'm really close. I'm hugging it tight. I'm hugging the word tight tonight because I want you to know this is not Jeffisms. These are, this is the teaching of scripture. All right. So in closing, here's the utterance gifts. Say them with me. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. How long has it been since you, and and I'm putting me in here too, because this searched my heart, studying it. How long has it been since I boiled and burned for the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How long has it been since I boiled and burned for a move of the Holy Spirit? Well, I can say that has been real for me for some time now. But I can tell you when it comes to the gifts, hey, he says, I want you to boil. I want you to burn. I want you to long for, pine for, pursue, ask God for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wants to gift you and me. Amen? Can we stand together tonight? Amen. How many of you got something out of this? Can I see your hands? Amen. All right. How many of you think I went loony a little bit? No, don't, don't even answer me. <laughs> Nothing loony about this. this. This is the word of God. And, and so I love you. And let's just lift our hands to the, the one who has gifted his church. Lord, we just thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power gifts, the revelation gifts, the vocal gifts. We thank you that when you ascended on high, you led captivity captive and you gave gifts to your church. And so, Lord, we just thank you for these gifts. And, Lord, we ask you to help us to boil over in our spirits and in desire to experience your gifts. And even more than that, Lord, to to prophesy, to speak the word of God, a now word into a situation of need. To be declarers of the word of God. 
speakers of the word of God, prophets of the word of God. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray, stir us, Lord. Help us to stir the gift within us. As Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that's within you. By the Holy Spirit, stir it up. Stir it up by faith. Stir it up by faith. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God. And Lord, we just thank you for it. Let's worship him. Before we go tonight, lead us in a song. There, Carlito, thank you, Lord. Come on, lift your hands and let's worship the Lord. Oh God.